0: All followers of Christ are called to be servants. But this isn't a welcome thought to many. Because the idea of being a servant causes a little bit of discomfort. Those of us who name the name of Christ hear the world's idea of what a servant is. And uh, servanthood is too close to slavery for our comfort. We don't like that idea. But Christ himself was the original servant in our faith. The scriptures are full of examples and illustrations about serving. And serving Christ and others is an awesome responsibility. The English word deacon means servant. We we name people deacons in the church. And it simply means servant. It comes from the Greek word diakonos. And Thayer's Greek dictionary tells us that that word means one who by virtue of the office assigned to him by the church cares for the poor and has charge of and distributes the money collected for their use. You see there's a mission to the body of Christ. It's not just to come in here and and sit in seats and listen to yours truly speak. It is to do work and so we do. We are active sometimes more so than others but we are always engaged in some way, in some, some form of sharing the good news. That definition is directly derived from the sixth chapter of Acts. And I want to read that today. Beginning at verse 1, we hear now in those days, when the number of the disciples was multiplying. You see, the church was growing there arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists. One group was upset with the other group because they weren't getting their share. That's what it came down to. And because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution. There was always food. They were distributing that food. And some of the widows were neglected. And so the Greeks, the Hellenists, they were upset about that. So the twelve summoned the multitude of the disciples and said, It is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. They were delivering the word. That was their primary role. It wasn't that they wouldn't serve another way. It was that they didn't want to stop doing what they were called to do. Get the word of Christ out. It's not desirable we should leave the Word of God and serve tables. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. And this pleased the multitude. They were happy about this. Okay, we're going to get some help here. We're going to get some relief. We're going to have some people that are specifically designated to do particular things and they chose Stephen a man who was full of faith and by the way the first that we know of that was martyred for his faith he was full of faith in the Holy Spirit Philip Procurus Macaner Timon Parmenius and Nicholas a proselyte from Antioch whom they set before the apostles and when they had prayed they laid hands on him now that Nicholas may be the Nicholas that uh, later defected Later, the Lord said that he hates his doctrine. We don't know, but it could be. Then the word of God spread, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests were obedient to the faith. Now, the priests were the Jewish priests, and they were being converted to the teaching of Christ. See, this is how pervasive Christ's teaching became in that society. We're going to see today that the essence of that. Servant concept, the deacon concept, was instituted by Christ, modeled by Christ, and taught by Christ. He's the original servant in our faith. The original servant in our faith. And we model our service, or at least we're called to model our service after his. We'll also see that those who serve in any capacity, whether it be on the music team, whether it be in receiving the offering, whether it be in handling the other affairs of the church, anyone who serves in any capacity are to do so humbly, not as one who puts their self above others. That's what the word shows us. But the role of serving is of utmost importance and not to be taken lightly. We don't elevate ourselves over others. We don't lord it over others, as our Lord said, and we're going to read that passage of Scripture today. But we're not to take it lightly. We need to be committed. We need to be dedicated to doing the work. Because after all, we're being counted on. If we're going to sing, we need to be here to sing. If we're going to play an instrument, we need to be here to play an instrument. If we're going to do anything that has to do with the body of Christ, whether it be going out into the mission field, for example, and we need to do that. We need to be dedicated to doing it. That's what the word shows us. Christ humbled himself by coming here as a vulnerable baby. He came as a vulnerable baby. He didn't have to come that way. How many of you know he could have come as the Lord of glory? My mic is on. Maybe it's not on back here, Jim. I don't know. not going to be good, because this is obviously recording from a different way, that's why I didn't notice it, praise the Lord, going to be a bad recording there, people asking you on there Jim, okay, that yeah. happens, thank you Father, our Lord served without reward. He served without reward. He came here to serve. And it's written that his life was in danger from the time that he arrived. In fact, we looked at that. We looked at that very fast. When he was about two years old, King Herod learned of his arrival from the wise men, those astrologers from the east. Herod sought to have him killed, but Almighty God foiled Herod's plan, but Herod had all the children two years and under killed, and this was because Christ's star had appeared approximately two years before the wise guys showed up in Bethlehem, or in the area, I should say. They were looking for the king of the Jews whose star had appeared. Now, I want us to read from the 20th chapter of Matthew's gospel record. We're going to read, uh, I don't know, we'll read some verses there, 25 maybe, chapter 20, we're going to start with, what's the first verse I have there? 20, yeah, Matthew chapter 20 and verse 20. And we're going to see, or hear, I should say, how our Lord describes being a servant. Beginning at verse 20, that's on page 1524, I believe, here. Yes, if you're interested in opening the Bible there in your seats. And I really should change that, I guess. I'll have to record it from that one. Because if I step away, it's not going to pick me up there. But the mother of Zebedee's son came to him with her son, kneeling down and asking something from him. And he said to her, this is Christ, saying to sons, excuse me, Christ, about sons, what do you wish? She said, so grant that these two sons of mine may sit, one on your right hand and the other on your left, in your kingdom. But Jesus answered and said, you do not know what you ask. Are you able to drink the cup that I'm about to drink? And be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with. Like, can you go through what I'm going to go through? He asked And they said, you're able. Most likely a young guys. And they were bold. They were brash. They maybe even somewhat priceless. So he said, you will indeed drink my cup. And be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with but to sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give but it is for those for whom it is prepared by my father and when the ten heard of it they were ready displeased with the two brothers but Jesus called them to himself and said you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and those who are great exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you. But whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. And whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. Yet he is ever just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. And he gives his life a ransom for men. Praise God would add his blessing to the reading and hearing of his word. He was the original servant. He makes that clear. He had just told the twelve disciples that he was going to the cross. He was going to be killed. He knew that he was going to be betrayed. He knew that he was going to suffer. He knew that he was going to die. And he was going to rise again. James and John were the sons of Zebedee and they were, as I said, probably young. Their mother came to Jesus asking if their boys get a place of prominence when he comes into his kingdom. Now, they thought he was going to arise into the earthly kingdom. But that wasn't so. That's not what he said. That's not what happened. She wanted her boys, though, to be elevated. Can you imagine a mother doing that? And these boys of mine, you know, they're good kids. I want you to put one on your left and one on your right. I want them to be right next to you. He spoke about his role. Because, you know, the, the ten were angry about this thing. But it motivated him. It motivated him to speak about his role as the Messiah. He was going to die. And he's asking them, can you go through what I'm going to go through? they said, oh yeah, yeah, we can do it," But they couldn't. And he also talked about their role and every follower's role. And anybody who aspires to be a leader within the body of Christ needs to understand that being a leader means being a servant. We read in verse 25 that he first reminded them of how those who are in positions of authority among the Gentiles set themselves above others, and control them by exercising authority over them. Well, we see that in our world today. We see how people exercise authority, even those that aren't given authority, they take authority now. They don't possess the authority to make unilateral decisions and rules and mandates, and yet they do it. They're pushing past the limits of the authority which has been delegated to them. Christ had to set that mother and her boys straight. And sometimes we have to do that. Sometimes we need to make a stand. This is right. This is not. We're going with what's right when it comes to anybody in a position of authority. We see this in the church and we see it in secular society today. It's shame. It's a true shame we have to check those who overstep the boundaries sometimes. If we didn't, they'd just overrun us. That's what happens. That's the ungodly way. Dominate, control, rule. Place people into subjection. Now we're to willingly subject ourselves to Christ and to our brothers and sisters in Christ as servants. In the world, we see that those who want positions of authority, they want it because they want to control other people. Christ tells his people, this isn't the way it's to be. But we also see this in the church, especially in denominations. They have a hierarchy. They have a structure, different levels for different people. That hierarchy they've established is in direct opposition to the teaching of Christ. He said, you want to rule, you must serve. He said, that's not the way it's supposed to be. In the second part of verse 26, we read that Christ told them that whoever wants or wishes or desires to be great among them, let them be a minister or a servant. And that English word, minister, or it's rendered servants in some places, also comes from the Greek "diakonos." Strong's dictionary says that it means to run on errands, an attendant, and generally a waiter at a table or other menial duties. Now, how many of us want to be that person? And that's what Christ said. He said that's who we are. We are to be those people. But it also says specifically a Christian teacher and pastor. It also can mean a deacon or a deaconess, a minister or a servant then all of us in the body of christ are to be servants we read in the gospel according to john where christ washed the disciples feet. let's read that shall we i think we have it there don't we? yeah okay good in john chapter 13 it is written jesus knowing that the father had given all things into his hands in other words he had all authority and that he had come from God and was going to God, he rose from supper, laid aside his garments, took a towel, and girded himself. Now get the picture there. He knew he came from God. He knew he was going back to God. And he humbles himself to wash people's feet. Because that's what he did. He poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel which he was girded with. Now think about that. They weren't walking on paved roads like us. Now, there may have been some stone paved roads, but they were also traveled by animals, whether it be horses or camels or mules or whatever else, and those roads would have been covered with dung. And so their their shoes weren't like our shoes. They weren't wearing waders or boots. They were walking in that. And their feet needed to be cleaned. And this is why foot washing was a popular thing at that time. It's no longer necessary. And what he's giving here is the principle of serving others, even to that point of wiping the junk off their feet. That's the message. That's what he's showing. Them. He came to Simon Peter. Peter said to him, Lord, are you washing my feet? And Jesus said to him, what I'm doing, you do not understand now, but what you will know after this. And Peter said, you shall never wash my feet. Now remember, Peter was this big tough fisherman. You're not washing my feet. No way. Jesus said, if I don't wash you, you have no part with me. And Peter changed his tune. Right? <laughs> Lord, not my feet only, but wash my hands and my head. Clean me, wash me. Whiter than snow. Jesus said he who is bathed needs only to wash his feet but is completely clean and you are clean but not all of you for he knew who would betray him therefore he said you are not all clean so when he had washed their feet taken his garment sat down again he said to them do you know what I have done to you you call me teacher and Lord and you say well for so I am if I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. I've served you. You need to serve others. And he's not saying that we should have foot washing parties, okay? That's not what he's saying. The context is king. Why did he wash their feet? Because they were walking in manure and he wanted them to be clean and he wanted them to see that he was not above cleaning the manure off of their feet. And so we as servants of Christ will do whatever he calls us to do. Whatever it is. Oh no, that's, I'm above that. No. None of us are above it. Whatever it is. For I've given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Most assuredly I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master. Nor is he who is sent greater than he who sent him. Now remember, he's telling us here because he knows he came from God, God sent him, and he's returning to God. So he's saying, in essence, he's not greater than God. In fact, there's other passages of scripture that say that. Nor is he who is sent greater than he who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Several questions come to my mind whenever I read this account. Is he putting himself above them or humbling himself before them? Answer's answer is obvious. He's humbling himself. He's humbling himself before those disciples who would then take over whenever he was gone. He wanted them to understand they were not these twelve big chiefs. They were to be servants. Where do church leaders come off elevating themselves above others? I have to ask that question. That's the question that comes to my mind. Where do church leaders come off elevating themselves above others? It's opposite of what he taught. Well, so now I have to ask, do they not follow the same Christ that's written of in Scripture? That's just a plain question for me. That's what comes to mind. When I first wrote these notes I was dealing with people who had elevated themselves in the church above others. This was probably near 15 years ago when I first wrote. Now I've revised them. This isn't the same exact message from them. But I based it on that because I think we need to understand as the body of Christ that meets in this building that we're all called to serve and as servants we need to be committed. We need to be dedicated. We need to do what we're going to say that we do. In John 13 and verse 14 we read what Christ said when he finished the feet washing. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash one another's. In other words, if I've served you, you need to serve one another. We're all called to serve each other. Even those who are called servant leaders. Some churches use that phrase, servant leaders. We're all servants. None is above the other. Some of us lead, as yours truly, as God has called me to lead people into his word. We lead people into praise. We lead people into worship. But we're called to serve. In verse 27 of our text from Matthew today, we read that Christ told them whoever desires to be first, let them be your slave. And that word slave or servant that comes from the Greek doulos, which means a slave, literally or figuratively, involuntarily or voluntarily. Now, as followers of Christ, we have volunteered to serve him and others. That's part of what it means to be a follower of Christ. Frequently, it's in a qualified sense of subjection or subservancy, or a bondman or a bond servant. There were those at that time who would willingly put themselves into slavery as a bond servant. And that was their role. They served out of love, and they were taken care of by the one that they subjected themselves to. Or a humble servant. In other words, the one who has the desire to be ahead of others and above others needs to get rid of that attitude. I don't think we're going to see that in the body of Christ, at least not in our lifetimes. I don't see that happening. I see it elevating to the point where that one that's called the Antichrist is going to desire worship from everybody. He's going to demand worship from everybody. And if you don't worship him, you're not going to be able to survive. We need to get rid of that attitude of being above others we need to humble ourselves we need to be willing humble servants when I started this message I told you that Christ was the original servant do you remember that he modeled it and he taught it and I want us to read again from Matthew 20 and verse 28 just as the son of man did not come to be served but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Some versions of the Bible use the word servant or "serve" instead of minister. And this is because the root word is diakonos. And here we read Christ calling himself a, a servant, a deacon, a minister of the people. And that's what he wants for all of us. He wants each of us to be a minister. And we minister unto each other sometimes. When someone's grieving, sometimes when I will visit people who are grieving, I will just sit in silence and not say a word. Just pray. Sometimes I pray through the Scriptures. Sometimes I pray just as the Lord leads. Other times I will pray, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy kingdom come will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Christ called himself a servant. And His message is contained in Matthew and also in Luke's gospel records, and it's a message that each one of us needs to take to heart. As we come into a new year on the calendar, let us become more dedicated to serving God and each other. Christ modeled and taught the essence of the servant's role. And that is the message we need to take to heart, folks. Daniel Webster says a minister is an agent appointed to transact or manage business under the authority of another. Remember, Christ received all authority. And he delegated his authority, and it has been delegated all the way down to us. We've received his authority. And our business is to be the business of Christ. So many have turned the church into a business model. They've got so many bells and so many whistles and they've got all these things they put together and from start to finish their business is conducted. We don't try to do that here. We try to do all things for God's glory but it's not a business. We have a relationship with God through Christ. And as Christ's servant. They're like the arms, the hands, the legs, the feet of the body of Christ. What was the result of Christ's service? He ransomed whoever would confess Him before men. That's what's written in in Matthew chapter 10 and verse 32. Whosoever shall therefore confess me before men, him I will confess also before my Father, which is in heaven. That's the message of his ransoming us. We're ransomed by Christ. He ransomed those who were held captive by sin. It's written in John chapter 8 verse 34 that he said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, whoever committeth sin is the servant of sin. I was once a servant of sin. But thanks be to God, by his grace I've been delivered from that sin written in Proverbs chapter 5 and verse 22, his own iniquities entrap the wicked man or woman their own iniquities entrap them and they're caught in the cords of their sin I wonder why you get stuck in sin whenever you practice it over and over and over and over because the sin entraps you and Christ will set you free in Romans chapter 6, it's written, Do you not know that to whom you present yourself servants to obey, you are that one's slaves whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness? Do you not know that? You go on sinning, you're a slave to sin. But when you turn your life over to Christ and you become that one who seeks to serve righteousness, then that one Every believer has a duty to Christ, to serve others. None of us is greater or lesser in the body. We're not greater or lesser than anybody. We're all equal in Christ. There's no male, there's no female, there's no Jew, there's no Greek. There's no older and younger. We're all equal in his eyes. Christ is our example, that each one of us who is called by his name, let us serve in the church. Let us serve with humility. Let us serve with dedication. Let us serve with absolute commitment to doing his will. Let us deliver the gospel to those who are held captive by sin. Let us lead them to Christ so that they too can taste of the heavenly gift and be set free, so that they can be ransomed. Let us teach others by our example to be servants of Almighty God, servants of Christ, and servants of others. As I wrap this up, I want you to remember that Christ was the original servant of our faith. He was the first humble servant. Let's follow his example, and let's teach others by our word and our actions to do the same. Let's follow his example, and let's teach others by what we say and what we do to do the same. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father. I thank you for those who have been within the sound of my voice today and I trust Lord God that you will seat your word within each of our hearts I know that this message is for me for certain I trust that it's for each one that you've placed in the hearing of your word today may we be true to your word may we seek to serve you and others and may we do it in love your word tells us This is the great commandment, that we love God completely, and we love our neighbor as ourselves. Help us to do all these things to your glory, we pray, and all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. Amen.